You're listening to Full Steam Ahead, a podcast about Purdue with Adam Bartels. Welcome to Full Steam Ahead, a podcast about Purdue. Football season is now just two days away with the season opener this Thursday night at Ross-Aid Stadium under the lights against the Penn State Nittany Lions, 8 o'clock on Fox. And so it is only fitting that we do our football season preview today. And it's my privilege to welcome back to the podcast, friend of the show, Rob Blackman. Rob, welcome back. How you doing? Hello, Adam. Thanks for having me. Good, good time to get together and talk Purdue football. Oh, so definitely. happy to do yeah. it. Well, thankful to have you back on. I always love having you on and just your insight on Purdue sports. So let's get to it. Uh, there's a lot of excitement and buzz around the program, especially coming off the 9-4 and four season last year, their best uh best year since uh, 2003. Right. Uh, just from your perspective, the buzz around West Lafayette and getting ready for uh, this Thursday's opener. Yeah, a lot of buzz. Uh, you mentioned the fact that uh, we had uh, one of our better seasons in a long time. Uh, I try to remind fans of this, even the diehard Purdue fans, I think, forget. Purdue's only had one 10-win season in its entire football history. Think about that one time. Uh, I mean, the, the folks at Alabama and, and probably Ohio State may chuckle at that, but at Purdue it just hasn't happened a lot. So the fact that Last year, Purdue was one win away from 10 wins. It was pretty special. And you bring back seven starters on offense, seven starters on defense. Your punter is back. Your kicker is back. And in the transfer portal, you feel like you really address some major concerns. Uh, yeah, there should be a lot of reason for optimism. So optimism. So I, I can see why fans are excited because yeah. I'm excited. Yeah, for sure. And, and 10 wins is not out of the realm of possibility this year. We'll get into the schedule here in a little bit on this episode. Let's just talk about the offseason. You mentioned the transfer portal, I think, was a success for Purdue this year. Uh, fall camp pretty much for the most part came out unscathed with injuries and yep. hopefully, you know, progression with the team and development. Uh, from your perspective, again, what you've seen so far from practices you've gotten to witness? Well, the one thing that I've noticed uh, that really stands out to me is the fact that you have a returning starter and Aiden <laughs> O'Connell at quarterback, and you have so many pieces surrounding him that were either starters last year or played a lot of snaps that practiced, at least to me, maybe the coaches don't see it this way, but just seem to go more smoothly. <laughs> you have a veteran group that's been there, done that, Things just seem to kind of go a little bit more smoothly in practice, and you would expect that. You know, this is the first time, Adam, uh, as you know, th that Jeff Brom has been at Purdue, that we haven't had a quarterback controversy in training camp. You think about it. We, even last year, it was Plummer or O'Connell, and Plummer ultimately won the job. Aiden O'Connell obviously ends up taking over and uh, in, in starts the last nine games, but th that's also a big part of it, probably why practices have run so smoothly. There's no quarterback competition. Everyone knows Aiden O'Connell's the guy. He gets all the, not all the reps, most of the reps for the first team guys. Uh, so that helps too, but that's probably the one thing I've noticed, just uh, things just run a little bit more smoothly. Again, when you have a bunch of experienced players, you should expect that. Yeah, it feels like almost since the Danny Hope era that we haven't wondered <laughs> who the quarterback time. was gonna been be in week one. been a long time, yes. And, I, and look, and Jeff Brom's spoken to this, and, as a former quarterback himself, it just makes things easier for the entire team uh, to not have that that looming over your you know, your first game this season, getting asked by you know by media nerds like me and around <laughs> the world, who's the starting quarterback going to be? Who's everyone knows going to be in no columns. Yeah. So let's let's move on and play some football. Yeah, it's definitely a, a huge bonus to mm -hmm. have that for sure. Let's talk about the health of the team. Um, pretty much for the most part. We're pretty healthy going into Thursday night. Just a couple of unfortunate injuries to Garrett Miller and Jamar, Jamari Lewis uh, mm -hmm. during fall camp. But 
Other than that, looking pretty healthy. Yeah, uh, you know, you just talked about those two things, uh, two things specifically. Demarge Lewis, does that hurt on that D-line? Yes, because he, if he wasn't going to be a starter, he was going to play a lot of snaps. Mm -hmm. And he played a lot of snaps last year. Transferred from Indiana and was a really good player for Purdue last year. They were counting on him heavily, but he's lost for the season to an ankle injury. That one doesn't sting as much because there's a lot of depth on that mm -hmm. D-line. You're probably going to see nine or ten guys play. Uh, if Demarge Lewis was healthy, we'd probably seen 11 guys <laughs> rotated through that D-line. Tight end's a little bit different uh, scenario. You really have, well, now you're down to two guys that have experience that have actually played in a game uh, at the tight end position. So uh, with Paul Paferi, by the way, is the guy that now steps up and takes Garrett Miller's position. So, you know, he and Payne Durham, the only two guys that have really appeared in a game and played tight end. Yeah. <laughs> so that position takes a little bit more of a hit from the depth perception. Yeah. But as you said, when we'll knock on wood here, Purdue pretty much got through camp pretty much unscathed. The other part of that is there were a lot of guys for Purdue, Brock Thompson being a great example, uh, who had off-season surgeries uh, and pretty major surgeries. Thompson had surgery on both knees, not mm -hmm. one knee, but both. But all of those guys, for the most part, have been cleared uh, to play Thursday night. So even the guys that were hurt and had to miss the spring or had to have surgery in the summer, they're all back to health. So, yeah, for the most part, Purdue's in pretty good shape health-wise. Yeah, for sure. And it's going to be great to see Corey Trice back out on the field yep, as right. well this fall. Another good one, yeah. Um, and unfortunately, you know, we mentioned Garrett Miller and, and the depth there. Fortunately, the one guy we do have that we know of, Payne Durham, a stud mm -hmm. who could potentially be a Mackey Award finalist. So at least there is some yeah. giftedness there in the position uh, as the starting, uh, the number one tight end anyway, at least. He was really good for Purdue last year. And, uh, was there, and, and he and Aiden O'Connell seem to really have – Kind of something special there late in the year, especially. So, yeah, he's uh, he's a Mackey Award uh, type of guy. Obviously, he's on the early season list for those type of awards. Uh, so he he was going to be tight end number one. I don't think there's any doubt about that. But but yeah, <laughs> it would have been nice to have Garrett Miller yes, out there too. For sure. Well, we mentioned fortunately there's no uh, we don't have to worry about the quarterback battle this year. But are there any other key positions that you've been watching that? you know, may come down still the Thursday night or even the first couple of weeks to figure out who's the number ones. Uh, I, don't, I don't know that that would uh, apply anywhere except maybe at the cornerback position mm -hmm. and or secondary, I guess, overall. Uh, and only because, this is actually a good thing, Purdue has so many guys to choose from. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I was looking up in my prep earlier this week, Adam. Purdue has, to the best of my knowledge, five different safeties on the roster that have started or played significant mm -hmm. snaps in a game. Five and you only get to play two at a time, <laughs> yeah. maybe three if you're in the nickel. Yeah. So that's a heck of a deal to have. You have that many guys that have played uh, in games. Uh, Cam Adams was a, was a first team all con or honorable Cam mention. Uh, uh, sorry, Cam <laughs> Allen was honorable mention uh, all, all Big Ten last year. Uh, Sanusi Kane. I mean, you can go right down the list. You have five guys again that are safety listed as safeties that have played in the game. Many of them started, and you really have a lot of depth also at the cornerback position too. Uh, you mentioned Corey Trice coming back. That's great news because he's an NFL caliber mm -hmm. corner. Uh, but another transfer from Indiana, Reese Taylor, mm -hmm. uh, who played at Ben Davis, is probably going to start Thursday night at corner. And if not, he'll play a lot, yeah. even if he's not in the starting lineup. So um, I don't know if it's it's not really a controversy at defensive mm -hmm. back. It's actually a really good problem Purdue has. Yeah. So many talented players who have played a ton of snaps there's only so many positions on the field to play all of them. So that's that's probably the one position where they're still sorting out who's going to start, but all those guys are going to yeah. play a bunch. And yeah, just to have that option to rotate guys in and keep guys fresh as well. Sure, yeah. yeah. And, 
You know, defensive line, I suppose the same thing could be said just because there's so many guys are going to rotate mm -hmm. in there. It'll, it'll be one of those things where if your name's in the starting lineup, good for you, but you're probably going to say play the same amount of snaps that, uh, you know, that the fourth the fourth guy in a game is. Yeah. We, we don't have a situation we had last year with George Karloftis <laughs> where basically you weren't going to take him <laughs> off the field. Right. You, ha you truly have a whole bunch of guys, good players, that are going to rotate about the same amount of snaps. Yeah. I know a lot of people are kind of wondering, who's going to replace David Bell. We have brought in a couple transfers, two of them from Iowa alone, yeah. and some other guys that are coming in and younger guys who are going to probably have to step up. Who do you see kind of maybe filling that David Bell role, or is it going to be wide receiver by committee this year? Um, yeah, probably a little bit by committee, um, but certainly Brock Thompson, you know, that the Music City Bowl, the game he had, uh, <laughs> I think, put a lot of people's mind at rest yeah. because, as you well know, David Bell did not play in right. that game. Uh, and I think there are a lot of us worried about what we were going to do at wide receiver, and Brock Thompson said, don't worry, guys, I'll handle it. <laughs> Uh, and, and Milton Wright's a guy that Purdue doesn't have also, we mm -hmm. probably should have mentioned yes. it, lost to academic, uh, an academic casualty. Milton would have been the number one mm -hmm. wideout, but he's no longer with the team. So Brock Thompson is a guy that's going uh, to fill in there. Mershon Rice, TJ Sheffield mm -hmm. are two guys that played a lot last year, didn't catch a lot of balls, but uh, they'll be in there uh, in the rotation. But yeah, you mentioned the two, the two transfers, uh, Tyrone Tracy and Charlie Jones, ironically both from <laughs> Iowa. Um, I would have a hard time believing, as we said here in late August, that at the end of the season, Tyrone Tracy won't have the most receptions. Yeah. I, I, and certainly the most touches. Uh, Purdue's going to try to get him the ball in any way, shape, or form they can. Uh, if it's a wide receiver, mm -hmm. slot receiver, running back, they're going to move him around to do everything they can to get him the ball. Uh, and then Charlie Jones, um, you know, he really came to Purdue looking to help the return game. I mean, he was the Big Ten return man of the year last year, yeah. so you would think he would help. But where he's really uh, also uh, really shined is at wide receiver. Yeah. Um, so I think he's going to get a lot of balls too. Yes, he's going to be the main return guy in punts and kickoff returns, but he's also going to get a lot of uh, run at wide receiver. Yeah. Uh, to answer your question in short, there's not a David <laughs> Bell on this roster, yeah. uh, which, okay, yeah. you wouldn't expect to have a David <laughs> Bell again. He was so good. But I do think you have a ton of guys yeah. who are more than capable of still picking up the load. And that can sometimes be a good thing, too, just to be able to spread the ball out and not have to lean on one guy doing all the work. And, and if you look at, you know, you saw this too, Adam, you follow Purdue closely. David Bell basically, you know, was always lined up at wide receiver. So from a defensive schematic standpoint, that would make it a little bit easier on defense coordinators. Now, he still caught a ton of balls, so it must not have been that easy. <laughs> but that is the one beauty of Tyrone Tracy. Again, they're going to put him in all different kinds of positions. I would not be surprised if sometimes they put him in a wildcat and just snap the ball right to him. Uh, he's that dynamic of a player. Uh, is he Rondale Moore? Probably not quite that good, but he'll be used in a lot of the same ways Rondale Moore was used. That's cool. Now let's talk about uh, strengths and weaknesses. We kind of talked about the depth and of the defense there, but what do you see as uh, Purdue's strengths this year? And then on the flip, any weaknesses that you're concerned about heading into the opener? I would start on the defensive line. We talked a little bit about that already, but the fact that they're so deep up front, so many different guys you can rotate in there, you don't think fatigue is going to be a factor. And we've seen that in the past where Purdue was so limited on who you could put in the game, right? You get to the fourth quarter and those, those D-line guys are gassed. Right. Um, I think back to a couple of years ago, that season opener at Nevada, where, I mean, our D-line was just... Uh, they were totally out of, <laughs> out of gas. Uh, and that was a big reason why Purdue lost that game late in the game. Um, but we have already talked about this as well, the secondary, so many different guys you can rotate in there. You know, secondary isn't as much about, uh, you know, guys being tired as it is guys making plays, right? If you're not a guy making a play in a secondary, so nice to know, okay, we'll give someone else a chance. Um, 
But the one thing interesting about the Purdue defense is at the linebacker position, the experience they have. Um, not household names by any stretch of the imagination, although this name should be a household name, Simasi Fakasiaki. Uh, uh, originally from, uh, from uh, the West Coast, uh, he is a seventh-year seventh year player. Um, he had, has, is taking, I should say, advantage of the COVID season. Also had a redshirt year in there and an injury season as well. So he's going to be a seventh-year linebacker. He is probably the starter. I will assume he'll be the starter at middle linebacker Thursday. Uh, so there he is at, at, at seven years of experience. And then his running mate at linebacker, Kieran Douglas, is a sixth-year player. Wow. So you're going to have two linebackers in the game at the same time with 13 years of college football experience between them. Most NFL teams don't have linebackers that have 13 years of experience. Uh, Purdue's going to have two, two guys with college experience of 13 years combined. So defensively, I don't see a lot of, I don't see a lot of question marks, Adam. Um, maybe some depth at linebacker. I mentioned the two experienced guys. There's a bit of a drop-off after that. Uh, OC Brothers, a transfer from Auburn, should help. He helped last year. But defensively, it's tough to find a, a, a real concern from a depth standpoint. Again, I would point to this at the linebacker position, a lot of experience uh, as far as years in the game, not a lot of game experience. Um, but if you've been around 13 years between the two of you, you'll probably figure it out, yeah, I think. No kidding. I can't wait to hear opposing announcers try to say uh, oh, Simsey's name as well. <laughs> I remember when he showed up as a freshman seven years ago, looking at the roster going, hmm, I don't want to trip up this name. Well, uh, what about the offensive line? How you, know, you got to protect your quarterback. We want Aiden to be the quarterback all season. So. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I thought it was interesting earlier in the week at uh, the weekly press conference, Jeff Brom uh, talked about probably going to play nine guys, maybe 10 on that O-line. So he feels really good about uh, being able to rotate that many guys in. Again, that has not always uh, been a, uh, uh, what's the right word? It always hasn't been something that Purdue could lean on heavily is multiple guys on the O-line. Typically it's been five or six and that's about all you get. Uh, but depth is, uh, is, is really been, uh, has really been upgraded. Um, and, and good players. You know, Gus Hartwig, a kid mm -hmm. from Zionsville, yep. is on most of the preseason watch list for one of the top linemen uh, in, in the country. Eric uh, Miller uh, will start at left tackle. Mm -hmm. He's been a starting left tackle now for a couple of years. Um, Redshirt sophomore by the name of Marcus Embo. He started the bowl game last year. Um, they feel really good about him. So I, I was taken a little bit aback when Coach Brom said he felt good with 9 or 10. Mm -hmm. I think he said nine or ten. I know he definitely said nine in the press conference. Um, so obviously there are some even some younger guys I'm not familiar with that are going to get in the game, uh, and that and again that should help, especially early in the season. Depth is always such a concern because of the fatigue factor. Um, but yeah, I, I actually I think up front Purdue is going to be okay numbers wise. Where they do have a concern, and again this is Jeff Brom speaking, not Rob Blackman, <laughs> is the short uh, the short run game. Yeah. Um, Purdue struggled mightily at that last year. Again, Jeff Brown was quick to point that out. Short yardage situations, goal line situations, Purdue couldn't run the football yeah. effectively. Um, so I, I, if you're going to rotate 9 or 10 or 15 0 linemen, it <laughs> doesn't matter if you can't push the pile on short yardage situations. So that will be a concern that uh, hopefully is addressed uh, on Thursday night. Yeah, and we, maybe not a whole lot of depth there. I know Samson James came in. And then I believe it's yeah. back out. Yeah. Uh, but King King DeRue, uh, yep. King DeRue. Hopefully. Yeah. Running back would be uh, if there is one position on the team where you would say uh, outside of tight end that the depth is a concern is that running back. Yeah. Uh, King DeRue will be the guy without question. Uh, and then it'll be Dylan Downing, transfer from UNLV, played a little bit last mm -hmm. year. Uh, he'll be back in there as well. 
<clears throat> After that, uh, uh, a young man named Kobe Lewis mm -hmm. transferred from Central Michigan. I think he'll have a chance to get some reps. Uh, and then a guy that actually earlier this week, I knew that, I knew they were high on him. Uh, and I'm talking about the coaching staff. I didn't realize they were this high on him until I heard Coach Brom on his weekly coaches show this week mention him by name as a guy named Devin Mockaby, true freshman from Boonville, uh, walk-on, uh, outstanding athlete, was a state qualifier in the, in the hurdles this year, uh, this past spring as a senior in high school. Uh, showed up to Purdue as a walk-on, just looking for a chance, uh, and they think he has a chance. And now he's, again, he's a walk-on. He's probably the fourth string running back. It's probably... Coach Brom called him the next Xander Horvath, okay. which that turned out okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Xander Horvath was a walk-on from Penn High School. Next thing you know, he's drafted by the San Diego Chargers, so he turned out okay as a walk-on running back. Um, but So those are the four names I mentioned that would probably have a chance to play, uh, but you are correct in saying that you know, with, with the loss of Samson James, uh, that, that running back room depth-wise did take a hit, yeah. yeah. Well, and any players we haven't mentioned yet that you think could be a breakout player this year that may people Purdue fans might not even know about that. Just it's the next big name. Sure, um, I would probably there's a, there's a, a young uh, wide receiver. I think he's a sophomore, although I would double check it. Uh, Abdul Rahman mm -hmm. Yashin, mm -hmm. who has had who's been injury plagued his yeah. first couple of seasons. Uh, he is a guy they have been high on from day one. He yeah. just couldn't, can't get healthy enough to stay on the field. I would say he would be a guy that then when the year is over, you're like, boy, he had a really nice season. I didn't see that coming. Um, outside of that, again, the beauty of this, this team, Adam, is you have so many guys that are returnees that there really aren't any surprises, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, yeah, we knew this guy was good because he played last year or two years ago. Um, a nice problem to have. You have all these returning players. But I, I would start there as a guy that, uh, again, probably, look, there'll be guys in the D-line and O-line that, that are difference makers that maybe they don't get their name called very much and the coaches are really high on and they're yeah. like, boy, he was a breakout player. But as fans, we don't <laughs> notice him because they're down in the trenches, yeah. right? Um, but I, he would be a guy that I would say he would have a chance, yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, I agree. I'd love to see him have, be able to stay on the field and have that breakout year, too. Well, we talked about a little bit about that, that 10 win mark uh, earlier. <laughs> Expectations and goals this year. Obviously, I, I would you know, think Brown would say, you know, maybe he already has, uh, you know, your goal is always to win the Big Ten. But, you know, do you know what you've heard or seen uh, expectations set by the team or maybe even your expectations uh, for this season? Um, if there are expectations set by the team, and maybe there are, I don't know about them. <laughs> um, but as you said, it's no different with any other coach in all of football, you know, it's, we're going to try to win a conference championship. We're going to try to, you know, win X number of games. Um, I would say this, especially about this group, there are this schedule, let me put it that way. A lot of talk about this Thursday night opener with Penn State and for good reason. And a lot of folks believe it's going to be the tone setter. Maybe it will be. I don't know. Win or lose, maybe it sets the tone. I'm not sure. But I look at that stretch, Adam, when we get to about week four there, when Purdue's going to play three or four on the road, uh, Maryland, Minnesota, home game, then at Wisconsin. I'm going from memory here, but I think I'm <laughs> correct on that. Um, that, to me, <laughs> that sets the tone for <laughs> yeah. the season. That, that is where the season is won or lost. And by win or lose, I mean, obviously, you know, are you going to have a type of season where you can win eight, eight nine, or ten games? Mm -hmm. Or are you going to have a type of season where you win six or seven? Yeah. To me, that's the tough stretch. Yeah. And, again, I, a lot of folks are all worked up about Thursday night. 
I'm with you. I think it'll be great. Uh, however, I'm not going to go throw myself from a tall building if Purdue loses that yeah, game. Yeah. Because to me, the much more influential stretch of the season is that stretch I was just talking about right yeah. there. Three of four on the road, and none of those are going to be gimme games. So, yeah. you know, especially at Wisconsin. Yeah. I, I don't even know the last time we won there. I'm not, I think somewhere in the 1990s, yeah. I don't remember. I think it was 2000, was it 2000 when um, Craig Terrell blocked the, blocked the kick, I think, and they... Uh, yeah, 2000, I think, when he blocked the kick and they took it to the house in overtime. I think Here's that's what I know. I joined the <laughs> it's Purdue, been a long time. <laughs> I joined the Purdue broadcast team in 2004. Okay. <laughs> we beat Penn State that year. I'm thinking, oh, Penn State. How tough is that? We haven't beaten them since. So uh, that was a long time ago. So, but yes, that uh, that that to me that that is the stretch yeah. that I'm. I think as fans, we will look back at the end of the year, and if you won three or four or heaven forbid win all four yeah. you really feel like you're having a heck of a season well it's bookended by you know minnesota and wisconsin we've we talked about minnesota before and just uh the struggles they've had in recent years of course we had one game was robbed from us a couple <laughs> years ago but we won't go into that but you know we, it's been a while since we beat minnesota so yeah going up there would be nice to exercise those demons up there and then it, and it sounds crazy uh since pj fleck came into our league purdue's only beaten those guys one time yeah. and it and I think, and there are a number of fans that I know, and I get it. They see Minnesota on the schedule, and they say, oh, we're definitely going to beat them. And I always say, well, we haven't really been doing <laughs> yeah. that lately. So I, I'm with you, though. Yeah. We beat them two years ago. <laughs> but even though it didn't show up in the scorebook that way, we were robbed. That's right. <laughs> you know, on a freezing, bitterly cold winter oh, night with no one in the stands. Yeah. It was a COVID year, <laughs> remember, right. to make it even worse. But, yes. yes, that was a tough one to swallow, that game. Yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, from your your perspective, if you you've looked at the schedule, what do you think is the ceiling? Do you think this team can win ten games this year? I certainly think so. Um, especially, you know, for me, I always look at who are your non-conference opponents mm -hmm. and who are your crossover opponents, mm -hmm. right? Who are the teams you're not going to play from the West Division? Um, and when you look at Purdue's non-conference, you know, Indiana State, FAU, Syracuse, all winnable games. But even if you only get two of three, I think you still feel like you're in pretty good shape. And then you look at your crossover games. Again, I, I, I probably shouldn't be saying this because the last time we went to Maryland, it was an absolute embarrassment. But I do feel pretty good about going to Maryland. I feel like Purdue can win that game. Um, don't know what they're going to have at Indiana. The beauty of that game is it's always at the end of the season. So you have plenty of time to figure out uh, what those folks are going to have in Bloomington. So, yeah, I don't uh, – I, I look at the schedule. Look. I was going to be good. They're always good, mm. but Purdue's had success yeah. with them for whatever reason. Talk about Purdue's last lack of success against Minnesota. Uh, Purdue's had plenty of success <laughs> against Iowa yeah. to balance that out a little bit. Uh, Wisconsin is certainly the bugaboo. Yeah. Uh, when, when are we going to beat Wisconsin? <laughs> Every year I tell myself this is the year. <laughs> so maybe this is the year we can beat those guys. Well, let's do. It. Let's go up there and uh, shock them up in Madison. Mm. Um, as we're kind of wrapping up here, let's look ahead quickly at uh, Penn State uh, Thursday night. Again, two days away uh, on Fox, uh, 8 o'clock start there. Um, what are your kind of expectations going in this game, and what's Purdue got to do to come out on top? You know, I think this game is so interesting from the fact that you couldn't find a better game and made-for-television season openers than this one. Mm. You have two sixth-year quarterbacks uh, in Sean Clifford and obviously our guy, Aiden O'Connell. Um, you have a night game, Thursday night. It's a Big Ten game right out of the gate. And you have uh, two teams that, quite frankly, really went in different directions last year. Now, to be fair to Penn State, you know, Clifford got hurt in that Iowa game early in the year when they were ranked in the top five, and then they really kind of took a nosedive. Mm -hmm. 
And a lot of that had to do because he was injured and he was a little up and down after that. Mm -hmm. But Sean Clifford's a four-year starter. When he takes the first snap Thursday night, he becomes a four-year starter. If you're a four-year starting quarterback at Penn State, you're pretty good. Yeah. There aren't a lot of guys that do that. <laughs> um, so he will be up to the task. We feel like our guy Aiden O'Connell is going to be up to the task. He's a sixth-year quarterback. <laughs> Two sixth-year guys going head-to-head. -head. You don't often see that right. uh, in, in college football. Um, but two teams that went different directions. Again, a big part of Penn State's problem last year, Clifford got injured and they were very up and down. But I try to remind fans, as I just said to you a moment ago, Adam, this was a team that was in the top five last year. This is Penn State. Yeah. Okay, they're not just going to roll in here and, <laughs> and lay down yeah. for Purdue. That's not going to happen Thursday night. Um, while Purdue was on a very different trajectory last year, won nine games, won a bowl game, really came on strong at the end of the year and returned a bunch of guys from that team. Uh, so while I'm being long-winded <laughs> with all of this, what I'm ultimately getting to, this is a great matchup yeah. for game one, at least from a television network standpoint. Yeah. The coaches probably wish they could ease into it a little bit. <laughs> There's no easing into this game. Uh, but I do certainly think Purdue can win this game, and I think it all comes down to turnovers in, yeah. in which, more specifically from the quarterback position, which quarterback will blink first, if either. Maybe neither will. Yeah. Again, with the experience and the talent those two guys have, maybe they won't. Yeah. Uh, but if one of these quarterbacks in this game Thursday night does make a mistake, you know, poor throw or poor decision that leads to a short field or an easy score for the other team, that's probably the difference. Yeah. Because I, I certainly don't see one team, uh, you know, winning by three or four touchdowns. Yeah. It's going to be too evenly matched. Yeah, you mentioned easing into the season. So a little sidebar question here. Are you a fan of opening the season with the Big Ten game, or do you like it when you're playing non-conference? Yeah, I, <laughs> I'm kind of torn between that. I guess it, as a Purdue – let me I put it this way. As a Purdue fan, I'd rather ease into that first game. <laughs> Let's, you know, get our feet wet. Because the first game's always – you know, Purdue has some new coaches on mm -hmm. the staff. They're going to be – there are, even there's a lot of guys returning, there's still going to be some lack of familiarity in some areas that's going to kinks that'll have to be worked out. Um, so as a, as a Purdue fan, yeah, let's just ease into it. But as a college football <laughs> yeah. fan, like if I just want to sit down and watch Thursday night college football, oh man, give me Purdue and Penn yeah, State all day. Give me, a, awesome. give me a conference game. All. I was a huge fan of Northwestern Nebraska Saturday mm -hmm. uh, in Dublin conference game yeah both teams are in our division I'm interested to see what they're doing so yeah as just a fan of college football give me conference games all day long yeah, no kidding and <laughs> as a fan of Purdue let's ease <laughs> yeah, into right. it and the good thing is they're in the same position we are it's not like they've played a game True. already and this right. is our first so. um and then how much do you think the uh playing at Ross 8 under lights night game blackout does that play a factor do you think well, I notice you're wearing your Tyler uh Tyler Strong <laughs> bracelet for yeah. Tyler Trent so you will remember this. The last time we had a blackout game at, uh, at Ross-Aid was the Ohio State, the Tyler Trent game. Yeah. So we, we seem to do okay that <laughs> night with a blackout. Uh, I hope the same type of thing happens uh, on Thursday. But, yeah, that, I mean, that atmosphere is going to yeah. be unbelievable. And, again, with it being the first game of the year, I mean, you know, Adam, you're a former <laughs> college student. The students are chomping at the yeah. bit for something to do. They want to go to that first football game of the year. It's a night game. None of them are going to go to class Friday. <laughs> yeah, I don't blame them. You're going in, and then you're going into Labor Day weekend, so you have a long weekend anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's oh, that atmosphere is going to be electric. Electric. Yeah. I, if you're going to the game, get there early to find a parking spot <laughs> because it's going to be packed. Yeah. No kidding. It's going to be an electric atmosphere, no doubt. Hopefully, one that helps play a, a bonus factor for Purdue. Uh, can't wait for this game. I want to ask this question too. I want to wrap up with this. You know, we talked a lot about Aiden O'Connell and just the hopes and expectations uh, for this year, especially coming off that bowl game where he was just phenomenal. Mm -hmm. What, in your opinion, I guess, 
What does Aiden O'Connell have to do this year to be the next member of the cradle of quarterbacks? Uh, I would say, Adam, if he is anywhere close to what he did last year, it'd be impossible not to say he's part of that group. Mm -hmm. I mean, and you and I talked about this in the very outset. Aiden O'Connell was not the starting quarterback mm -hmm. last year to right. start the season. Jack Plummer was. Mm -hmm. Aiden O'Connell got beaten out in training camp. He was the number two. When he finally got his chance, you know, he, he, he had, if, if our memory serves correct, six 300-yard games. And he only started nine of them. That's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. You only start nine games, six of them, you're going for 300 yards. Um, if he can put that type of season together, then yeah, he's dead. Now, winning is a big part of that. Yeah. If you put those type of numbers up and you, and you go two and ten, it's kind of hard to justify that sure. a guy was in a cradle of quarterbacks. But I, I, don't, I, don't see this, I just don't see this group going two and ten. Yeah. There's just too much talent right. on the field. Uh, they would have to really fall flat on their face, and I, I, I just don't see that yeah. happening. So, yeah, I, yeah, a seven, eight-win season with the kind of numbers you put up last year, 28 uh, touchdowns, I think it was, uh, 3,700 yards or something mm -hmm. like that. Uh, anywhere in there, yeah, you're in the cradle. You're in the cradle, easily in the cradle of the quarterbacks. How impressive would that be as a former walk-on, too? I don't mm. know if any of the other members in the cradle walked on to Purdue or not, but my guess would be not. But I would guess wrong. no. I have to think on that. I can't imagine <laughs> any others. But, oh, think of his journey. Guy was yeah. going to play Division three football. Yeah. No shame in that. Uh, was going to be a student, right, get a college degree and move on with his life. And he says, oh, I'll go to Purdue and see what happens. And I think it turned out okay for yeah. that guy. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Wow. Well, as we're wrapping up again, the game is on Fox at 8 o'clock on Thursday night. But if you can't watch the game and you're in the car or don't have a TV, you can listen to this guy on the radio, remind people uh, what your role is with the, in the booth and uh, where people can find you. Well, I'll be starting my 19th season, as crazy as that sounds, on the <laughs> Purdue Radio Network. Uh, but pregame, halftime, postgame show uh, will be all mine. And I'll be joined once again this year by uh, Pete Quinn, who's our color commentator. He's a former Boilermaker, played center at Purdue. Uh, Kelly Kitchell, who also played offensive line at Purdue, was on the Rose Bowl team uh, in 2000. Kitchell will be our sideline reporter. And the voice of the Boilermakers, Tim Newton, will be back to handle the play-by-play -play duties. So the uh, no changes, very similar <laughs> to the Purdue football team, no changes basically on the radio team. It's all the same crew uh, back together this year. And, and we're, we're looking forward to getting started. Yeah, for sure. You guys always do a phenomenal job. I love even, you know, if I can't be around TV to watch the game, I just love flipping on the radio and listening to you guys call the game. It Thank feels you. like you're there. So keep up the good work. Thank you again for uh, coming Thanks, in Adam. to break down the season here for us. Again, two nights away, we are almost there. Uh, it's going to be an exciting season. Let's boiler up. A reminder, you can follow the podcast on Twitter at Full Steam Pod, and you can find the full video interviews on the Fox 59 and CBS4 website. You can also listen to, subscribe, like, and or comment on the podcasts on all the major podcast platforms, including now on Amazon Podcasts as well. Thanks again for listening to the Full Steam Ahead podcast. Until next time, I'm Adam Bartels.